I was thinking of Jesus, no place to lay his head, no place to lay my book. <laughs> Good morning. A little ringing here. Are we okay? I want to talk about what happened on that uh, particular day when I guess it all blended into one scene and it was so much different. Uh, Skip, would you put the title up there? Searching for Jesus. How many people search for Jesus today? Well, 2,000 years ago, there were possibly three. Uh, Skip, would you put up the wise men, please? Don't believe this. They came probably from Babylon, Iran, about 700 miles away with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The scripture tells us that. We can go by what scripture says. But can you imagine them traveling 700 miles over the desert with treasures without any armed guards, any entourage? They'd have never, it would be like me trying to walk down from the palace to the south end at 12 o'clock at night on any given day. What do you think my chances would be of making it? Small, to say the least. Well, there was so much written about these guys. First of all, they probably did, probably did all come from Persia, which is Iran, uh, which would probably be between 600 and 700 miles away, traveling because they saw something. In Numbers 24:17, it says, out of Jacob will come a star, and out of Israel will come a scepter. These guys weren't wise men, and they weren't kings. They were astrologers. Astrology, as you look into scripture, by today's standard, is like witchcraft. But they, in their own country, were highly respected, highly noted, and the astrology was all about the heavens and how one blends into the other, when one passes over the other, and that had everything to do with your life. They didn't believe in Jesus, but something in them. See, it's like everyone else. So many people say they don't believe in Jesus, but there's always that spark. That's why it's so important that we disciple, but that's another story. They're coming because through the Holy Spirit, even on unsaved men, they felt a need to find out who this king is going to be. Now you have to realize that all of Rome was ruling the world. Herod was the king of the Jews. And they're coming to find the king of the Jews. <clears throat> well, how would that set with Herod? Didn't go well. The bottom line of it is, they had no idea other than the purpose that they were set for. Well, wouldn't that be great if we had to do exactly what we were set for? Now, I'll get to that later, too. So here we have three men, astrologers. Uh, In fact, there is a religion even today, Zorasta or something like that. They're part of that, all dealing with astrology, coming from afar. There's been so many stories written about these these three guys, and no one even knows that there were three. They based the three being on three gifts. There could have been 12. In fact, in the Syriac uh, Bible, They say there are 12 wise men that came. Around 500 AD, they were canonized. You know what that means? They were made saints. 
Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm looking at all of you, and you're all saints. Decreed by God, not by man. (laughs) That's an incredible story. Well, here they are coming from afar. And Skip, can you put up in Matthew chapter 2, verse uh, 1 through 11? And here we get into what we're going to be talking about. What they thought, what they sought, and what they brought. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the times, a time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Talked about that in the prophets in Micah. Talks about it in Numbers. It's all over the place in the Old Testament. And even his chief priests, everyone knew about what was going to happen. But no one seemed to care. Isn't that like today? How many people care about Jesus that are out there walking dogs back and forth, getting their Sunday paper? It's all about a day of rest for them, but absolutely no acknowledgement of the maker and creator. So what did they think? Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. Well, what were they thinking coming from 700 miles away? They they weren't dealing with reason. That's not reasonable. Even when I was a kid, we might wildly say, let's go down to New York for a cup of coffee around 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night. But that was wild. Can you imagine going 700 miles thinking, listen, look at the, I don't know if they called it a star, but the Bible calls it a star, but uh, uh, some kind of movement in heaven, a light was shining And they wanted to know what that was all about. And they were so determined to find out what it was about that they put reason aside. Sometimes we can't put reason aside. And that gets us in a lot of trouble. Because reason dictates you shouldn't accept Jesus. After all, you can't feel him, you can't see him, you can't touch him. And it's only been written about by... How many times have you heard this? The Bible was only written by a bunch of men. What's this Jesus about? I've got my own life. I can see and touch this. That's reason. But it says in Proverbs chapter 5, 3, it says that you shouldn't lean on your own understanding. After all, we only have a limited amount of understanding. We only have a limited amount of everything. Although we were talking about it earlier with a friend of mine out in the back there that we don't know how fragile we are. We think we can do anything at any time, sometimes to anyone. And it's perfectly okay. When Jesus tells us, it's completely different. Well, they're searching out. They're searching where we should all be searching. And they're searching for the one who's going to be king of the Jews. Well, that's what they thought. They went beyond reason. They looked at, maybe they had some scriptures. I don't know what they had. 
but I do know that they were astrologers. And they were following the star because this was most important to them. And they wanted to find out what was going on. So they continue on. Go and make a careful search. Herod's talking to them. For the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. Well, two things are happening here. Uh, I can't imagine someone going to a king and say, we're looking for the guy that's going to replace you. Do you know where he is? He was a little disturbed. Scripture says that. He's a little disturbed. He's a little disturbed for one thing. Not only is he going to be replaced, but his whole dynasty is going to go down the tubes if this be true. So he calls up his wise men, his priests, and they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is it going to be true? In fact, I think he's already been born. That's what these guys are coming to see. So as a result of that, these wise men, these magi, who they are, they went on their way. Now here's another fallacy. We like to compact everything to make it look nice and tidy. So we've got the, the uh, creche, Mary and Joseph, which was beautiful last Christmas Eve. Then you've got all of the shepherds which were there. Scripture says that too. But nowhere does it say that the wise men were there. It says after a period of time, they went to a house. Now, what in the world is going on here? Well, that's true. They went to a house. Now, if they couldn't find a place in the inn, how are they going to find a house? When the taxation was over and the counting was all done, property was cheap. The whole real estate market fell down into a hole, and they were able to probably rent very inexpensively. And no one really knows how old Jesus was. He could have been anywhere from a couple of months old to two years old. How do I know that? Again, there's limited amounts of scripture, but what did Herod go and say down in uh, what? Uh, Chapter 14, I think, 15, 16, and 2 Matthew. He told his army to go out and kill every newborn from newborn to two years old. So they don't know how old Jesus was at the time, but he was going to make sure he was going to get them. And as a result of that, again, everything that you see and that I'm talking about is backed up by prophecy. When he went out there, and killed all these children. An angel came to Joseph and told him to take Mary and the baby. And they went into Egypt and stayed there for a period of time until Herod died. But Herod didn't know that. So nevertheless, he killed every child. I just can't imagine the slaughter that happened on those couple of days that the men went into uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a big city. This wasn't a little tiny town. It was the major city where the taxation was taking place. So there were all kinds of people. Maybe some of them hadn't left yet. And their babies were being killed, destroyed. And there were boys. Just the boys. So they were seeking something that Herod was trying to destroy. They wanted it. Herod wanted it killed. After they had heard that the king, they went on their way. 
And the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped at the place where the child was. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh, or frankincense if you're reading King James. Great and costly gifts, especially to Mary and Joseph. These were things that only kings did receive, and properly so. They recognized who this little baby was and where he was going and what his life was going to be. Somehow or another, they had divine revelation of what all was going about. So they bought these gifts. Now, it's often mentioned, well, what in the world did Peter or Joseph and Mary do with it? Well, you see, after they had uh, left there and Herod had died, they were going to go back to Bethlehem. And an angel told them not to do that. This was even though Herod was dead, this would not be a good place to go. So they probably used their money and the things they sold. What good would frankincense and myrrh be to two peasants? They probably got a lot of money. So they were able to travel pretty safely. Now, this is assumption. No one ever did know what happened to the gifts. Scripture is so quiet on some of these points. But common sense dictates they need money to travel. And he's not a rich man. So I'm figuring he sold these things and was able to do what he did with them. So what did they seek? They saw and seeked a king that they could worship in the door. Incredible. For three pagans. Three pagans coming out 700 miles seeking a king. And what the scriptures say? They bowed down. And they worshiped and adored him. Well, the next thing. Uh, Skip, can you put on the second half of the scripture there? When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary and bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened the treasures and presented him with gifts of gold. Of what what exactly he's got up there. Incense, frankincense, and myrrh. So this is what they brought. They brought great gifts unto a king that they had no idea where he was going and how he could possibly be king when Herod was already king of the Jews and, making it worse, Rome was already uh, king of the whole country. Caesar ruled the world. All these other kings were puppet kings. Now, Herod being the king of the Jews at that time in Jerusalem. Now you've got Jesus, and now you have Caesar. What are these guys thinking? Well, what they did is brought their gifts to the right king. See, there's a lot of kings out there. We had a lot of things to bring to people. We have a lot of intention to bring things, of good things, to high-placed people. But they found the right people to bring them to. So what they had here is what they thought, what they brought, and what they saw, or saw and brought. And as a result of that, we have tons of books written about the three kings. Uh, We three kings of Orient, they were not kings. They were uh, wise men that practiced astrology. And that's exactly what they were. Now, the bottom line is, that's all well and good. Well, why did I even bring this up? Because there is something we want to talk about here of what we think, what I thought, 
and what I sought, what you sought, and what you brought. These are the important questions. This is history. This is today. What do you think about Jesus? What's deeply in your heart the thought you have about Jesus? And when you think of him, do you want to bow down and worship and adore him? Is there something in you that just makes you want to get on your knees and give thanks and praise to the living God? That's what our thought should be. But as a matter of fact, we take Jesus for granted. We thank him for his salvation. We thank him that he hears our prayers. We thank him that he has given us a book that we can be trained by. We thank him for a lot of things, but what do we do on a daily basis? Where's our thinking go? Well, I'll tell you where my thinking goes. How to take care of a broken washing machine. Uh, How to take care of the bills that are coming in daily. How to get down here and do what I have to do and then get home again. And uh, by the way, where is Jesus in all this? Well, he finds this spot here and there. Well, if I do that and I'm no different than you, I'm figuring you probably have the same kind of schedule, maybe going a different route. But Jesus is asking today, what do you think of me? What do you really think of me? We have to answer that question. After all, he made us. He built us and to do something that we were always supposed to do. Next question is, what we thought? What have we sought? Have we sought a king? Have we sought someone that has uh, so high that just it's awesome to think that he picked you and me? That he called us by name before we were born? Out of all the billions of people on the face of the earth that had been and ever will be. He sought you. He sought me. And he personally, better yet, called us by name before the beginning of time. That's incredible. So what do we seek here? We seek someone who is so powerful and so loving, so majestic, that it should dictate how we think and live our lives. And when we don't do that, we discredit that king. And we all do at different times. Put him aside. Simple question. Uh, are we sinners? Well, he says if you're not, you're a liar. So you don't have to raise your hand in that one. We're all in the same boat. Well, how do you sin? If in fact that Jesus is the almighty king of kings. How can we offend him by sinning? We can push him out into the atmosphere someplace and then go about our business or whatever that is. Have you ever done that? Have you ever pushed the spirit out into the atmosphere to get him out of your thoughts and out of your mind so you can do what you want to do? Scary thing. First part about it, he allows us to do that. That's incredible. We've got to get him back in where he belongs. After all, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine pushing the king out of the temple? See, we don't think like that, but we should. We don't think in terms of being the precious thing that God has called us 
and pushing us out. We seem to be wanting some other things, seeking other things. But he wants us to seek him first. Now the bottom part of this whole thing is what do we give him? What have I brought? I'm going to tell you right now, he doesn't want gold and he doesn't want frankincense and he doesn't want myrrh. They were nice in that day. And it made uh, beautiful scriptures and uh, uh, fulfilled all of the scriptures by them doing that. But he doesn't want that from us. First of all, he's got all the gold in a thousand hills. All the gold and the silver is his. All the cattle in a thousand hills are his. He doesn't need anything from us except one thing. Now, what have we brought? What have you brought Jesus today? Have you brought your heart? Have you brought your obedience? Have you brought the things that are the most important to him? Gifts that don't have any intrinsic value that you can put in your hand, but they're the most valuable thing to God. What have you brought him today? This is the season that we all proclaim as the birth of Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity today to bring him a great gift of our heart. To realize that here, Jesus, here it is. Of course, if you do that, that means you don't have your own heart anymore. Would you dare to do that today? Would you dare to give Jesus your heart? You may say, well, how do I know I should do that? That's why we have the good book. We have the Bible. Uh, Skip, can you put up Romans 12 too? Because do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good and pleasing and perfect will. Well, that's great. Now the next question is, well, what is his will? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Can you put up Matthew 28, 7, 18? Twenty-eight, eighteen says that uh, we are to go into the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have taught you, and then I'll be with you until the end of the day. So, what are we supposed to do? Exactly what Scripture tells the, the Great Commandment. The Great Commandment tells us to go into the world and make disciples. That's what our church is all about. If you haven't figured that out yet, you missed the boat. This is what we do. We want to make disciples. Now, what does Jesus want us to do? He wants us to make disciples. What is the good will of God? To make disciples. It comes back to the same thing over and over and over again. It's not lost. It's right here. The instruction manual tells us exactly how to do that. So I guess my question to all of you today have you come to give Jesus your heart today? Have you brought a gift? Doesn't need your money. He needs your obedience. He doesn't need your material things. He needs your heart. You want to give that to him today? We're going to have communion in a few minutes. Communion, sharing and breaking bread with Jesus 2,000 years ago. But time with God is nothing. When we take communion today, it's like we're sitting there with the apostles. And the same thing applies. 
So keep in mind as we go to communion what you can bring to the table. Because God's looking and he's anxious to see the gift you have. Anxious like a little child. Like your children. Children at Christmas time, there's nothing like it. So excited, so happy. They can't wait to see what they've got. You know, I don't think Jesus is any different. I think he's anxious to see what you're bringing today. Amen. Amen.